Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. You can visit rachelcarmen.com to join her online community of moms who are taking the dare to be in the word themselves as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. While you're there, be sure to sign up for updates and you will also receive a free gift from Rachel when you sign up. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello there and welcome to today's podcast. Today I want to talk to you about a topic that's very near and dear to my soul and my heart and my mind. And I think perhaps at first when I tell you what we're going to talk about today, you might be tempted to find something happier to discuss. But I'm going to bet that for some of you, this is going to be exactly what you need to hear today. It was about 14 years ago uh, this month when I was facing an indefinite period of unemployment with my husband and our seven children. It was the second February that I had faced, and I was really concerned about what was going to happen and where this was going to ever, ever, ever end. It ended up being 22 months long. And yes, all seven of our children were home. We were homeschooling. And it was a circumstance that I never would have chosen. I didn't want. I could not fix. I couldn't run away from. I had to figure out how to endure it. And I did not do it perfectly. But there are many things that I learned to that time that I want to share with you today because we're in a tough time in our culture right now. There's a variety of things swirling around, a lot of confusion, a lot of sickness, and yes, a lot of unemployment, a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain. And I really believe that one of the things that we learn in our Christian walk is that we serve the great Redeemer. One of the things I love about God and life with God is that I can rest in the knowledge. I can have the confidence of knowing that the great Redeemer never wastes anything. And it is on that truth that I want to share with you what he taught me through those 22 months of employment and continues to teach me when I face difficult times and circumstances that, again, I wouldn't have chosen, don't like, can't fix, can't change. I've really got to endure. And the objection, the ob- uh, the objective, sorry, is that I would come out the other side more conformed into his image. So how do I do it in the interim? How do I face it? How do I endure? Gratefully, we have lots of biblical examples, but today I want to go over, I think it's five different things that I believe you can do. And then I want to summarize with just a reminder for you. So first of all, I want to suggest to you that the first thing you can do after you've been broadsided by life, so perhaps it's been a pink slip of unemployment, we don't need your services anymore, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's divorce papers, it it could be any number of things, right? A betrayal of a friend, you find yourself broadsided by life, and I'm just going to suggest to you that the number one thing you can do first is sit still. 
I know it sounds crazy, especially in a culture that wants to run around and and fix something and tell everyone and post to every every possible place. I'm going to suggest to you that the first thing after being broadsided that you need to do is you need to sit still. And I believe that there's a very strong biblical case for this many times. And I would encourage you, if you're in this place of endeavoring to endure well, you probably have some extra time. And this might be one of the things that you'd like to chase through scripture. Sitting still, I can see at least two times in the Gospels that God invited us as his children to be still. You're probably familiar with the passage in the Psalms, Psalm 42:10, be still and know, right? That's the power of being still, especially in this rushing, restless culture that we have right now. I believe many of our issues could be solved if we would but dare to sit still. I know that when all the children were at home and when maybe somebody was out of control or raging or being disobedient or rebellious or rude or unkind to one of their other siblings or maybe to all of their other siblings, right? Often the first thing that I needed that particular child to do was to sit still, right? I couldn't say anything to them in all of their rage and frustration. I couldn't get them to do anything appropriate that moment. What I needed them to do was to sit still and pull themselves together to breathe. That is what Jesus invites us to do. You'll remember the passage in Matthew when he says, Come unto me, right? All who are weary and heavy laden. Very often we get broadsided and we are immediately exhausted. We're feeling the weight of the situation, the circumstance, the implications, the play out, right? Our heads are spinning. And what does Jesus say? Come to me. In other words, sit still. Sit still. On another occasion over in Mark 631, the disciples have just come out, come back to Jesus reporting all that they've done after he sent them out, right? And he says to them, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest, right? Not, let's go post this on social media, right? And I get that social media wasn't available then, but I'm going to suggest to you strongly that even if social media had been available, that's not what Jesus would have suggested they do when they were weary, when they needed rest, when they needed perspective. His invitation was sit still sit still. I think this is so, so powerful. I think when we look over to the book of Job, we find Job when his friends come, what is he doing? He's sitting in ashes and he's scraping himself with pottery. He can't fix his circumstance. Job can't fix this situation. He didn't ask for it, right? It's another passage I would encourage you to study if this is your moment, right? Go back and read the story of Job. He's sitting. He's sitting. And what an opportunity. What a moment to be still and know, to sit, to step away, to turn it off, and just catch your breath. Sit still. It's so, so, so powerful. So after you caught your breath and you're sitting still, 
The next thing I think you need to do is acknowledge the situation in the circumstance. You need to take some time to sort of unpack what's going on insofar as you know or understand it, right? So you get broadsided, okay, what, ha what happened? Did somebody run a red light? Did you run a red light? Was somebody else hurt or you, what? You gotta assess the situation. And this is where I believe it's a great opportunity to journal, to get the mess that's in your head, the confusion, the questions, the frustration, the overwhelm, get it out, get it out, right? Acknowledge the circumstance, acknowledge the pain, acknowledge your confusion, acknowledge your exhaustion, your fears, your loneliness, acknowledge your need, right? Acknowledge it, face it, right? So many times when life broadsides us, it's a lot easier for us to ignore it. It's a lot easier for us to limp away from the scene of the accident or whatever, instead of actually facing it so that we can do what? So we can deal with it. I remember when we were unemployed, I remember the call I got from Davis from his office that they had let him go. And I remember going, whoa, <laughs> oh my goodness, what, what does this mean? What is this, what, what does this mean? And he and I had to sit down, right, through tears and fear and go, okay, this is where we are, and this is what this mean. We think this is what it means, and this is the issues, the obstacles that it presents. There's a lot of value in acknowledging the circumstance, and I see so many examples of this in Scripture. And I do, I really do want to encourage you. If you're in this moment, this moment that you would not have chosen, you don't like, you can't fix, and you can't change, make sure, right? that you're steeping yourself in God's word, that you're seeking him in his word. Seek him with all of your heart and you're gonna find over and over and over that you're not alone. You're not alone. Many who've gone before you have found themselves in circumstances that they don't like, they didn't choose, they can't fix and they can't change, just like you. Yes, the specifics may be different, but he has given us in his word example after example after example after example of people who were faced with enduring, just like you and I get faced with enduring. And I see in the Old Testament, Hezekiah faced with an enemy that he can't defeat. He assesses the situation and we see him take the letter of the enemy. And what does he do with it? He lays it out before God and he prays over it. He lays it out. And as you acknowledge your circumstance, I would invite you, I think it is an invitation, an unspoken invitation from God to lay it out before God. Here's the deal, right? We don't have a job or I just lost my husband or my kid has a terminal disease or what you fill in the blank, right? This is what I, and I can't, I can't, I don't know what to do. That's what Hezekiah did. Or maybe like David over and over and over in the Psalms. You can read this in the Psalms. David cries out going, okay, like really, how long? I mean, you are God, but how long? What's going on? Look, your God is big enough for you to cry out to him raw like David did in the Psalms. And I love that about God. I love that about God. 
He invites us to come with all of our heart-wrenching emotion and go, what? 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 We see that example in David. We see Abraham in circumstances that he didn't understand. In frustration, he, he obeyed. He acknowledged his circumstance and he obeyed. That's the ultimate objective is that we would trust in the middle of the acknowledged circumstance, right? That we didn't choose and we don't like and we can't fix and we can't change. And that we would choose even in that to trust and obey. We see Esther. Here she has gotten to this place of prominence. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. She's won the heart of the king. She is now queen, right? And now she's faced with this wicked man, Haman, and the destruction that he has plotted against her people. She's in a position, right, that was going great until now she has a choice. She's at a crossroads situation. She wouldn't have chosen. She doesn't like. She can't fix and she can't change. But she can do what she can do, right? We have all these different situations. We have the giant Goliath. We have the absence of the sacrifice when Abraham takes Isaac to the top of the mountain, right? To obey God, to sacrifice his son, right? As God would instruct him to do. And what does God do? God provides a ram. There wasn't a ram. Isaac was the intended sacrifice, and yet God provided when there wasn't, right? We see the impossibility of the Red Sea. We see the obstacle of the walls of Jericho. We see the enemy. We see all of these things woven throughout Scripture. Look, this is given for our encouragement and our admonishment. But we've got to take the time to sit still, right? Catch our breath. Acknowledge the impossibility of our circumstance. I really do believe, if you go back to the second generation of the of God's people who were going to go in now to the promised land, the first, the first generation messed up. They rebelled against God. They chose disbelief. And they didn't get to go in. They fell in the desert. So the second generation is now going to get to go in. And God's plan of defeat for the walls of Jericho, the, the city of Jericho, is that they march around. They march around? I think the whole point of marching around was so that they would see firsthand how impossible their circumstance was. How formidable the city was. How tall the walls were. How thick the walls were. And how they couldn't. They couldn't. So that when God did, he would get all of the glory. That's the power of our acknowledging our circumstances is that we get to get and understand and know down deep that we can't. We can't. Only God can. And like Hezekiah, we, we lay it out before him. We cry out like David. Rachel Carmen has spoken across the country and around the world to moms about their struggles, successes, fears, and faith. They consistently share three things that zap joy and threaten the hope of moms today. They are overwhelmed, exhausted, and lonely. They want support and practical tools. They want to feel connected. What we have done is put together a community of like-minded moms to accomplish just that. Rachel, a homeschooling mom of seven, knows what the pit of despair is. She relates to the feeling of being overwhelmed, lacking in time in the word, and today, she wants to meet you right where you are. 
The truth is, you were not meant to do this alone. In the community Real Refreshment, she will help you learn how to get done what needs to get done, how to study God's Word during your season of motherhood, how to make the most of the time given, and how to do it in fellowship with other moms just like you. Moms, we need each other now more than ever. Visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community today. To sit still, acknowledge our, our circumstance. And three, it's important in this aftermath, this getting broadsided, okay, so now we've caught our breath. We, we kind of get where we are and it seems impossible and overwhelming, right? So I'm going to suggest to you the third thing you need to do is stay focused. Stay focused. And not on the issue, not on the problem, not on the circumstance, not on the impossibility, but on God. We have got to make sure that in the most impossible, overwhelming, frustrating, exhausting circumstances that life comes at us with, and it does. Sometimes simultaneously, right? Yeah. In the middle of our unemployment, we were at a church that split. I mean, really? I can't make this stuff up. Oh my goodness. Yes. Sometimes it's not just one thing. It's a multitude of things that are going on. And we've got to make sure that we don't let the crazy, chaotic confusion of life get our full attention. Only God deserves our full attention. And we do that through prayer and praise. We've got to make sure that we focus up. We've got to stay focused on who God is. Who God is. And pray to him. And worship him. There were two songs, and you're by now surely familiar with my beloved hymnal, right? The one that I keep on top of my dryer. And there were two hymns specifically that I wanted to share with you today. And again, I was generally unable to actually sing to make anything that would sound like any kind of praise to God during this time. No, 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 no. It was a whimper. It was maybe a hum because I was a hot mess, crying, tears dripping off my chin, right? And even recently, I was singing this song for another circumstance. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief and pain. Leave it to your God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, your best, your heavenly friend, though thorny ways leads to joyful end. Yes, yes, be still, my soul. I remember many days folding the kids' clothes at the dryer, singing this song, humming humming this song to myself, calming, be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. The Lord is on your side. Reminding myself constantly of that truth. Another one of my favorite hymns during that time was the classic Immortal Invisible, God Only Wise. In light and accessible head from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. 
It is so important in our most dark and desperate moments that we lift our eyes up and worship him, restoring our confidence in his sovereignty. He is over all. Look, he's either seated on the throne. He's either in control or he's not. And his word says that he is. And in these moments, when we can barely breathe, we must hold on and stay focused to what we know is true when everything else seems to implode and explode, right? When nothing else is as it ought be, we can take comfort when we pray and praise him that he is enthroned on high. He has not moved and we need to focus on him. The fourth thing is not original to me. In fact, um, I think I've edited it just a little bit, but I'm taking this from a study I did years ago, a Bible study I did years ago. And I think, I, I just don't remember who it was, so I won't even try to remember who it was. But these are an adaptation from that Bible study I took all those years ago. And that is these four truths about God. We need to remember that he sees. So your circumstance your situation, the obstacle, the problem, the mess, right? He sees. He, he sees. It's not that no one knows. There may be no human that knows, but you can rest assured that he sees where you are. He sees your pain. He sees your woundedness. He sees your betrayal. He sees the knife stuck in your back, right? He sees that you've been kicked to the curb. He, he sees. He sees. And I want you to know that he knows. He doesn't just see. He knows the whole circumstance. Even more than you know, he knows. He knows the whole thing. You know but a part, right? He knows the whole thing. The who, what, when, why, how. He knows. He knows. And I want you to know that he loves you. Right where you are, a hot mess with tears dripping off your chin, he loves you. And I think the kind of love that God extends to us is such a glorious kind of love because it's the kind of love that knows who you are at your core, all of your junk, all of your mistake, and he loves you anyway, and he loves you perfectly and completely, and he loves you right in the middle of this mess. You got to know that. You got to hold on to the love of the Father, the love of the Father. The love that Romans 1.8 tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While you're in the mess, Christ died for us. He loves you. He sees, he knows, he loves you. Next, I want you to hold on to a truth that you can't see and it's almost impossible to believe. And that is this hot mess, God has a plan for it. He has a plan. It didn't surprise him. It might have broadsided you, but it didn't surprise him. He knew this was coming. I love Pam Tebow. I actually had her at one of my events one, one year, and she made this quote that I, I love this quote. So I want to make sure that you understand, not original to me, but Pam Tebow said this at this teaching that she did one time, and that was, nothing touches me or you that hasn't been faithfully filtered through the Father's fingers. I love that. I love that. That tells me that he knew. 
He knew before I knew, right? And I'm going to suggest to you that perhaps you're listening to this and things are going pretty great for you. And so you're sort of tucking this in. I want to suggest to you that very often God is wooing us and drawing us to himself. Like, spend time with me. Like, did you see that sunrise? Did you see that provision that I made for you, right? He's drawing us to himself when things are going great because he knows what's coming and he's trying to prepare us. So it could be that you're listening to this today and and you're in a great place. And I'm not trying to be a doomsayer. I'm just saying that you're either going into a valley or coming out of one, right? Life is that way. And God is always drawing us to himself because he knows what's coming. He knows because he has a plan. He has a plan. So he sees, he knows, he loves you. He has a plan. And and this is key. I want to assure you that right now in this moment, when things feel like they're falling apart, he is working on your behalf for your good, for your good. The God of the universe is not working against you. You are his child. Having put your faith in his son, Jesus Christ, you are his child. And he is working on your behalf to bring it all together. Now, I'm not going to suggest to you that we get the all-together picture on this side of his return. I don't happen to believe we do. That is a, a by faith understanding that we trust that this has some purpose in his divine cosmic plan. And we can see in scripture, as we study scripture, at the end of Genesis, for example, Joseph says to his brothers, look, you intended this for harm for me. But God, but God, use this for good. And that one story, and there are many others, we see the sovereign hand of God bringing about goodness for his people out of awful tragedy. In that case, betrayal, brother's betrayal of their brother. He brought out good because that's who God is. Number five, I want to encourage you. As you're in this time of endeavoring, and mom, this is probably especially for you, I want to challenge you, do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. For me, during unemployment with seven kids at home, that meant reading the next history lesson. That meant making breakfast. That meant rotating the laundry. That meant driving the kids to choir. That meant doing the next right thing. Thing. The temptation, moms, right, is to get stuck, to stay in bed and pull the sheets over our head, right? I mean, to just get stuck. And I just want to compare, contrast. This is something I came up with at the very last minute before I decided to record today. And I'll, I'll get make sure that this is in the show notes for you. But it's really easy, right, to get stuck, right? And I'm going to suggest that very often the world encourages stuckness. But that's not God honoring. So I want to compare and contrast the two of you for you. When you're sitting, right, and sitting is not passive. Sitting, in, in my opinion, includes doing the next right thing. It means waiting upon God, right? So I'm going to contrast sitting versus getting stuck. Sitting worships, right? Getting stuck looks like wallowing. You're constantly commiserating. You're not really doing anything. You're wringing your hands. You're wallowing in your pain and your circumstance. You're not looking up. You have chosen to focus on the junk. Sitting worships focuses up. Sitting listens for the voice of God. Listens 
I'm going to tell you when you're in this place of seeking to endeavoring to uh, when you're in this place of seeking to endure a circumstance that you don't like, that you didn't choose, that you can't fix and you can't change, right? When you're in that place, if we would but practice listening, God has something he wants to say. And sitting listens. When you're stuck, you ignore. You ignore. When you sit, you restrain yourself. Perhaps you want to lash out. Perhaps you want to give somebody a piece of your mind. Perhaps you want to post something, right? Or hit send, right? When you sit, you restrain yourself. But when you get stuck, you indulge yourself. All of your worst self comes out when you get stuck. When you're sitting, you're submitting to God. Because you're you're choosing to be still and to know. When you're stuck, you blame. It's everybody else. Even though you're in this incredible moment where you could look and see what is this, right? It's everybody else. It's not you. Because when you sit, you're sitting as God's child held in his everlasting arms. In contrast, when you're stuck, you're the enemy's captive enslaved to his oppression. Those are our choices. We can sit or we can get stuck. And sitting, remember, is not passive. We've got to do the next right thing. See, here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. What one friend said to me when I was in the middle of this whole unemployment mess for 22 months A friend who had already walked through it. So I want you to notice that we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have experienced. This is me paying forward what God taught me through my trial, my test. That's what we're supposed to do. He comforted me. He taught me, right? And he provided for me a friend who had already walked through a very similar circumstance. And I remember she said to me, you know, Rachel, I get it. You want to get out of this valley And you don't ever want to see it again. But let me tell you what I have learned. You will never stand on the peak of any mountain where you cannot see this valley. In other words, this will mark you. This will always be in your sight. And that's a good and a glory to God. God wants to remind me where he's walked me through. That's what he wants to remind me. He is walking you through. He is with you in this. And he wants to assure you that you're not alone. He wants to remind you that he is sovereign over this whole circumstance. Why? Because his objective is to transform you into the image of his son. This is one of those what's necessaries for your life, for you to become more and more like Christ. And why? So that we can know he is God and testify and witness to his goodness for his glory and for the benefit of others. I'll see you next time. Thank you listeners for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. And while you are there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us to get the message out to other moms that need to be encouraged in their roles as mothers today. If you have a question, we invite you to send it to rachelcarmen.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, you can access Rachel's wonderful resources and real refreshment, the online community. 
Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. I hope you will join us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.